Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I do know who this person is. Is it Ruth? No. Is Ginsburg, Ginsburg, something like that? Am I wrong? I know that she had something happen where she went to jail because of her mom. episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry, our pop culture roundup and what are we talking? Southern hospitality and the traders for the week. We got to get into it. We got fun things to get into this week. Starting with, you heard it, the headline of the week was the opener of this episode. Joey, our new bachelor. (laughs) Went on to uh, did do an interview with Betches, and they did, like, a how online are you quiz. And they asked them, you know, they show pictures, and they're like, oh, you know, do you know this person? And he <laughs> looks at a picture and says, is it Ruth? Is it Ginsburg or Ginsburg or something like that? Am I wrong? <laughs> and then they explain to him, sir, this is Gypsy Rose Blanchard. <laughs> Later, he did say, before they told him, well, I do know that she had, like, something happened where she went to jail because of her mom. Joey, what's going on here, babe? So, first of all, Ginsburg. Secondly, (laughs) you think Ruth Bader Ginsburg killed her mama? You think Ruth Bader Ginsburg had uh, suffered from one of the worst cases of Munchausen by proxy? Ruth Bader Ginsburg. (laughs) incredible incredible work i believe the children are our future this man is 28 by the way teach them well and let them lead the way (laughs) you guys before we get into our girl of the week i want to tell you about this article that i read on the cut i listed the link in the episode description so you can check it out um it is called the mom who told her cousin she could adopt her next baby. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little synopsis. And then we're going to go like reading rainbow style where I tell you what happens. And if you want to hear more, go on over and read the story. You know, so it starts off with two women cousins. We have Jenna, 23. She's married. She has two kids. She had one at 19. She's got a two year old. So at this point, she's got like a four year old and two year old, right? She and her husband, she like didn't have the best pregnancy the easiest pregnancy um she had two uh good to say circumcisions hello c-sections and you know there were like some some issues leading up to that nothing like major major but enough to want to you know like turn her off from being super motivated to have more kids right 
Meanwhile, Jenna has a cousin named Danielle. Danielle's 36 to her 23. Danielle and her husband had been trying to have kids for the past 14 years and were just really having a hard time conceiving. We're kind of thinking about going down the adoption track, etc. So one night, Jenna and Danielle go to dinner. And that night, Danielle asks Jenna, would you be willing to carry my child? Now, it's actually going to biologically be you and your husband's child because, you know, she'd had issues with conception. So she's like, we'd use your egg, your husband's sperm, and you would just hand us off the baby at the end, right? So she's like, Jenna is like, uh, this is, you know, a big ask, obviously. She goes home, tells her husband, Michael. Michael's like, mm, I don't know. But Jenna's like having a crisis of conscience. She's thinking... There are really no other people in the family that she can ask. I'm the youngest one. Everybody else is like 30s, 40s. Um, Seems like the best option. Clearly, she's been wanting to have kids this whole time. So this is something that she really, really is motivated towards. So after some conversation, she ends up being like, okay, let's do it. They have this announcement, like a private announcement where she, like after a couple months of trying, she gets pregnant. They meet Danielle. At a gazebo, she writes her a poem. It's this whole moment telling her, I'm pregnant with your eventual baby. Now, Danielle's husband is not there, which she thought was weird, right? So as over the course of the pregnancy, Danielle is going to all of Jenna's doctor's appointments. And then they're having lunch after. They're talking about baby stuff. Danielle's getting stuff for the baby, a crib, decorating the nursery, all this stuff. Things are going to plan. Now, they did not write down any sort of formal legal contract for the baby. It was just a verbal agreement. As the months are going by, even though Danielle is super supportive, Danielle's husband is, like, not really into it. Jenna's starting to notice that it's sort of more like he's just going along with what Danielle wants. This was not something that he was specifically wishing for or requesting. So it's kind of awkward. And then Jenna is sort of thinking like, man, can I really do this? I don't know if this is the right decision for me. It's a big thing. I hadn't really thought about the fact that she's got a strained relationship with her family. So she doesn't really pull up to the, the, you know, big family gatherings anyway. So she was like, the more I thought about it, the more I'm thinking, am I going to be able to like watch my biological child grow up but not be able to do anything about it and see this kid and do all those sorts of things that have that like separate togetherness. I'm not really sure. Right. So one day out of the blue, Jenna gets a text from Danielle. Hey girl, just wanted to let you know. Um, we were still on the adoption track. The agency told us that they have a baby available. There's like drug issues with the baby. The baby was going to have to go through withdrawal. None of the baby's biological family wanted it. Like they were like, this was like a last minute situation. So, hey, now I'm going to have two babies. That's so awesome. Jenna's on the other line like, excuse me, why did you text this to me? One. Two, I had no idea that you were planning on, like, still seeking out other babies. (laughs) You know? And uh, now you're about to have two kids. I don't know if it sounds like a good idea. So she does not hit her cousin back for, like, a few days. She has the conversations with her husband, Michael. And so she texts... uh, Danielle back and is like, hey, um, you know, this doesn't really sound like that great of an idea. I think that ultimately we should just keep the baby. Hey, if something happens with the adoption, cool. You can have the baby free and clear. But for now, it just seems like you got a lot on your plate, girl. And so we're just going to, me and Michael are going ahead. I'm going to keep ours. So obviously, Danielle's not happy about this. A few hours later, she pulls up to Jenna's house yelling at her blah, 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 you ruined everything. You know, it's a bad situation. The kids are there. They're getting upset. Like, it's a scene. It's a scene. So after that, Danielle goes around and tells the family this, like, very biased side of the story, which makes Jenna sound like a jerk. And, like, she just yanked this baby away from her. But once Jenna gets word of this, that everybody's mad at her, she starts sending screenshots of these communications that she and Danielle had to the family and the family starts siding with her and they're like yeah girl this sounds like a messy situation and 
probably shouldn't give Danielle your baby. So I'm going to stop right there because the second half of the story made my jaw drop in wild, wild ways. It, the shit gets turnt, y'all. So check out the second half of that story. It's a wild one. It is a real, real wild one. And with that, we're going to end this pop culture segment with our girl of the week, which goes other to, goes to none other than Bobby Altoff. If y'all don't know who she is, you probably do. She's the girl. She started off being like a low-key Mormon mommy blogger. Like, we're not saying we're Mormon, but you're living in Utah and the haircut is giving, you know. But she was like a humorous kind of blogger. She called her kids like concrete and whatever. She was a TikTok girly. And then she moved over to the podcasting space. She did these huge interviews with like Drake. That interview with Drake she did was big. Um, she did another one with Lil Yachty, a bunch of other people like in the hip hop space, Sukihana. And a lot of people were being like, the conversation was rumbling towards, is she an industry plant? Because how do you have your first podcast guest right out the gate be Drake? You know, like fair question. right? So, um, and you seemingly came from nowhere. So after that, like, there were things about, like, whispers about something going on with Drake and Bobby. Bobby, by the way, has this husband. He was somewhat featured in her TikTok content and her, like, social media influencer. Not really an influencer. Like, she really made, like, humorous videos. He was kind of featured in that. And their vibe was very, like we're an awkward couple. I don't like for him to kiss me, but like, it's because I'm so awkward, you know, like hot Napoleon dynamite and Deb (laughs) kind of, kind of that like quirky vibe. Um, you know, like I'm not sexy, blah, blah, blah. You know, like that, that sort of thing, just like an awkward in her skin kind of girl. So it came out last week that her husband had filed for divorce. Something that if you had even been like sort of, keeping your eyes on the story or on Bobby and her behavior. It was like, okay, this is kind of inevitable. Like she moved from Utah to LA. She got this like facial makeover. Like it was just very much giving, um, like in the system that I'm in and I'm going to full steam ahead and keep going with this. Right. So they, her like whole shit blew up first with the issue an industry plant conversation and then secondly there was a lot of conversation surrounding uh how she treats black people how she is basically like in these black spaces interviewing black artists hip-hop artists whatever and acting like what is this like i don't know this world blah 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 like the awkward stick is fine but when it's like constantly towards a certain demographic of people and you know granted drake has his own autonomy all these rappers do. They can go on to, um, you know, they make the choice and their team can make the choice to be on whatever platform interviewed by whoever, right? The Offset one, whew, that was a good one. I think that's really what kind of blew her career up because everybody was like, after that, like, okay, like, just the way she talks to black people is just really weird. And Offset, like, every time she would be like, do her shtick, he'd call her out on it and be like, this is not good. So he like kind of low-key destroyed her career. <laughs> and then after that, she started to interview like, who did she start interviewing? Like, um, Tree. What's her name? The one married to the guy who looks like a thumb. Scarlett Johansson. There we go. Um, so she interviewed her and like the her whole interview style totally switched up for like how she was talking to Lil Yachty to how she's talking to Scarlett Johansson. It was just very much like, oh, like more of a traditional but like fun style interview rather than being like, what are these rappers talking about? You know, so no surprise to me that um, she ended up getting a divorce. So the thing that happened is that there was a lot of chatter around Bobby and Drake because this interview goes out, huge podcast episode, there's video, they're in bed together, talking to each other. And a few weeks, like a month later, several weeks later after this interview, it's just gone. Wiped from everything. They're not following each other on Instagram. And it's like the drama of it is just very much giving. And the abruptness was very much like, 
real fucking, <laughs> what's going on here? So it turns out, and I don't know if I fully believe this, like this was clearly put out by Drake's team to TMZ. So, you know, grain of salt, right? But the reason why she's my girl of the week is like, please don't let Drake embarrass you. Okay? Don't do that. By the way, did y'all see that man in the back of his uh, private jet swinging his meat stick around? Because it wasn't even like Herbie fully loaded, if you know what I mean. You know, it was just like, it was just like a lot of meat. The thick brujol. I wasn't prepared. I did not think. And I'm just, just a lot of, lot to process. <laughs> it's a lot to process. And like, I think, and <laughs> Was it real? Because, you know, like, you guys know there are the BBL rumors about Drake. So I just wonder, like, is was some of that silicone? I don't know. I don't know. Either way, I'm scared. Either way, I'm terrified. But that's why they heard right there. So what happened is I was looking at TMZ, and they explained the story of what went down with Bobby and Drake. They did their podcast. They're, like, kind of friendly. They're texting, whatever. Drake was touring at the time. He had a show in L.A. This was August. This was like a month or so after the interview. Side note, another reason why people are like, oh, what's going on with this uh, divorce is because he listed the date of separation as four days after that Drake interview. So everybody was like, oh, OK, well, now they definitely were fucking Mm, maybe maybe not so they're texting bobby and drake they're kind of friendly with each other yada 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 drake invites her to one of his la shows and she finds out that she's not getting vip she he just gave her a general admission ticket so she's pissed off and feeling like why didn't you get me vip why am i not like your other celebrity friends and there was a video of her at this concert now she seemed to like she was in vip like that wasn't giving general admission but she's standing there he's performing you'd hear him performing but she's just standing there with her arms crossed like looking you know typically uncomfortable and unhappy to be there so after that concert the clip went down uh, you know the podcast went down all this so Apparently what happened is that Bobby was so upset that she did not get VIP tickets that she texted Drake during the concert <laughs> while he was on stage, tried to get back backstage at one point, security would not let her cross. And then after that, Drake finds out about all of this and was like, cut the cameras dead ass, take that clip down, take it down, everything, the interview, and their friendship was over. Baby, that is so embarrassing. Like, if you're going to do this Hollywood thing, Bobby, girl, I think you have achieved is not the right word, uh, accomplished isn't either. You have put yourself in a position that few have found themselves in, which is being genuinely humiliated by Drake. And I don't know how you come back from that, babe. So, girl, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Ask Scarlett Johansson. If she's got, like, a production company she could put you on, because that might be your best bet. Anyway, um, with that, we're going to talk about Southern Hospitality and then wrap it up two with shifts the for Maddie while she was DJing. And suddenly she gets this big promotion. L-O-F-ing-L. I guess I'm the bitch that runs this bitch now. All right, y'all, let's talk about the penultimate episode of season two of Southern Hospitality. I'm, like, a little bit bummed. That is going to end, but you know what? We got Summer House coming up, bringing up the rear. That sounds rude, but you know what I mean. I'm excited about Summer House. I'm excited for you guys to see the premiere. I think this is going to be a very solid season. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say about that. So let's talk about Southern Hospitality. Oh, man. We're back from Miami. Maddie's officially moved back in with Trevor. All of her little tiny Shein dresses are in the closet. They're fully back on. Grace, Lily, and Mikkel go out to lunch, and she tells him all the tea of what happened in Miami, how Lucia and Brad fucked, how she hooked up with somebody on the dance floor, just trying to go back there. Then she says that things popped off with Maddie, and she feels bad because she feels like Maddie was attacked by everybody about the, you know, blowjob in the dumpster allegations or 
in the dumpster, near the dumpster, by the dumpster. I don't know. Grace only again, like, she says she feels bad for Maddie because Maddie was stressed out. <laughs> like, from what? Lying and getting caught in a lie? Mikkel asks, wait, so, like, what's what's going on? Because, like, with Joe Bradley specifically, because what was he doing at this point while Maddie was getting called out? Was he just stuttering the whole time? And Grace is like, yeah, actually he was. <laughs> and then Mikkel calls Joe Bradley a brainless bitch. And that basically all the shit that happens in his life that's bad is because of his own actions. And that Joe needs to be a man. We need Mikkel back on for full-time season three. We we got to figure this out, okay? Back at Republic, Brad and Joe Bradley have completely made up from Miami Seems to just be because now everybody knows that Maddie lied about the dumpster blowjob. I don't know. I love these kitchen scenes at Republic Garden and Lounge because there's nowhere to go. You have a little private conversation by the freezer and the person over by the, the sink can hear you. Like, there's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. They're having these full-on conversations and... Maddie's talking to Joe Bradley about, like, or O'Sheen, rather, about the whole situation, right? And Maddie's like, gosh, it's just crazy what's happening in my life because most of the stress in my life is caused by this group of people. And then she asked O'Sheen, would you want to know, like, if a group of people was talking about you, would you want to know what they were saying? And he's like, no. (laughs) And then he says, actually, I think it's kind of brilliant on your end. Like, these people are spending their lives talking about you, but you don't give a fuck. And it's like, well, clearly she can because she's near tears and talking to you. You're dumbass about it. So <laughs> I, I don't know if it, that was really eating the way you thought it was, O'Sheen. But I, I do get the sentiment. It just can't apply to Maddie because she's very much thinking about this. OK, like I said, Brad is just right behind them pretending to get cups and hearing them talk shit about him and how stressful He's making Maddie's life. So he hears the whole thing. I love it. I love it. After that, Will and Emmy are at lunch with each other. They're having yet another conversation about Will moving up to law school. Emmy's very easy breezy. Like, oh, it's an hour and a half drive. I can make a playlist. I'll be there by the end of it. No big deal. But Will's still very much on this, like, Emmy, I don't think you're understanding how serious things are about to be for me like at this point it's really giving that they're talking around breaking up or at least will is and he keeps dropping these hints these little breadcrumbs and emmy's just like eating the breadcrumbs and being like these are delicious and he's like no (laughs) i don't like this anymore (laughs) so will then tells emmy I think, you know, coming up will be all exciting for you and our friends until about Christmas. And then you guys are going to get tired of it. You would have seen all the things. You would have done all the things. Like, you just aren't going to want to go up there anymore. And then he's like, I'm not going to get tired of you, Will. And Will straight up tells her, you're in denial. (laughs) So then Will says, like, listen, I just feel like Emmy is being a little too optimistic about all the trials and tribulations and the hardships that are about to happen from us being an hour and a half away. And I feel like at this point, Emmy's being so optimistic about it that I feel like I'm not being heard. After that, Emmy moves on, you know, to her second topic, which is her taking over as manager of Republic and asking, oh, well, I think, well, like, another way we can make this relationship work is I'm going to be manager, and I'll just ask Lava and Leah, the scary one, if I can do Zooms on Tuesdays, you know? <laughs> She's really trying to make it work. This is not good, Emmy, but you'll figure it out, right? So also, they have not spoken to Joe Bradley since they came back from, from Miami. They're upset. Emmy says... I don't understand why Maddie would be more upset with me for being concerned about her and not Joe for calling her a narcissist in the group chat. And it's like, well, because Joe didn't show Maddie that part. He only showed her the part where y'all were all talking about her weight. So (laughs) that's probably why. (laughs) Probably why. Will tells her, let it go. You know, y'all aren't friends anyway, so don't even let this bother you. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know... When it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. After that... TJ and Joe have this conversation. I don't know. I guess we're supposed to, like, be entertained, I guess. Basically, TJ and Joe Bradley's are best. TJ and Joe Bradley are best friends. Their moms are now best friends. So they're going over to Joe Bradley's house to have little drinks with the moms and, like, talk shop and whatever. What comes out of this, really, other than a picture of Joe Bradley from 2001 where he's got rabbit teeth and... Joe's like, yeah, well, you know, at that time I was, like, really trying to be cool and fit in. Not like now. (laughs) Some things never change, babe. But whatever. TJ basically uses this opportunity to say that Joe is exhausting. He has this, like, I want to be a cool guy mentality. And... He ends up being a victim of Maddie's manipulation because of it. So Joe says in a confessional, he showed Maddie that group text out of concern and love for her, and he does not regret it. And he would do the same thing for any of his friends. But Joe's mom tells him, listen, just like, chill. (laughs) Try not to do that, okay? After that, Lucia and Brad have a beach date on Folly Beach, and She's got this ex, right? She's got her baby daddy, her ex. Were they married? I don't think so. But I think they were engaged, right? But they're obviously now broken up. Devon works in fitness training as well. Obviously, there's a very small community of personal trainers in Charleston. So she had to have the conversation with Devon about, hey, Brad and I are fucking, basically, okay? Then they have the, like, where are we conversation. Brad actually starts it off by saying, you know, Lucy, it's been really fun to explore this. But we haven't had the exclusivity talk. So Lucy is like, okay, well, what does exclusive mean to you? And he says, well, it means, like, no longer being single, not seeing other people, you know, the basic tenets of exclusivity, right? So Lucy is like, well... I just want to feel like I'm on cloud nine with you every time I'm seeing you. So there's no reason for us to be exclusive. Then let's not do it. But then she says in a confessional, you know, she's a mom, right? She needs to be careful about the energy that she brings around her son, the people that she brings around her son, and doesn't want to also put pressure on what they're doing. Like, it's kind of a delicate balance. And I I can understand that. So Brad tells her, you know, like, I respect it, but... 
I do feel like in a month we might have this conversation again and it might end up differently. <laughs> and then he says in a confessional that he is like really terrified of the fact that he's never dated somebody who has a kid. And also, according to him, he and Lucia are best friends. So this is like, you know, a balancing act for him, too. This is a lot of people not having conversations, true conversations about the nature of their relationship and just like telling us in a confessional. And this is why the show's great. I love it. Speaking of couples who are talking around their true issues, Maddie and Trevor go on a date. Once again, he's in his I'm a good boy white linen shirt, right? His 98 degrees music video shirt. Maddie says in a confessional, you know, when you love somebody and you're together and you have that electric feeling, that's what I have with Trevor. And I'm just glad she explained that because the lead up to her explaining that was just them like looking at each other and mumbling. I honestly like barely know what Trevor's ever saying. Just like, you look great, Maddie. You look really hot there. Finally, Trevor says that he's sick of Brad because he just wants to see Maddie happy. And he ended up losing her because of a lie. And then he says, well, do you want to know what I did, Maddie? And Maddie's like, what What did you do, Trevor? <laughs> You're not the type of person to be breadcrumbing information like this. What did you do, Trevor? So then he goes on to say that he called this chick. The chick that started this whole thing said she hooked up with Trevor. He was twerking in front of her, flirting, texting, whatever. He says he called this girl and that she told him that she and Brad set this whole thing up. And he also has the recordings of her admitting this. So now Maddie gets all fired up and Trevor's like, well, you know, even though he plotted against us or like you really, I really think that like maybe we should just let this Brad thing go. Like just think, let him think that he won. Like... Maddie, you can't possibly be believing this. Like, you have recordings all of a sudden of a person who has no stake in the game admitting that she lied and was in cahoots with Brad. But but let's not talk about... You, you went through the effort of recording a phone conversation with this woman where she admitted the truth, but now you're telling your girlfriend, well, let's just let it go. Like, let Brad think that he won. Like, yeah, you don't want Brad to find out because he's going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about, Trevor? That is a bold-faced lie. Maddie, girl, look at the mirror. <laughs> then we move on to Mia, who is still allowing that large hunk of meat, Troy, from North Carolina to break her back and smile at her with those hard dimples. And he's in town, but they're like, in that weird, we're in a long distance relationship phase where every time they see each other, it's like, you know, a trip to the fantasy suite at The Bachelor. Like, they're just ha doing all the romantic things. It's so fun. It's everything's like, woo, woo, woo. Not real life. You know what I mean? But they do have a conversation about a vacation, right? They're about to go on a vacation. He's going to pick her up. They're going to drive back. And she's like, do I have permission to go full Mia? Like, respectfully, it appears that she's out here hoeing and showing, fashion-wise. She's showing off the cheeks, a little side titty, whatever. And he, she's like, is that okay? And he's like, not only is that okay, I will be your Instagram boyfriend. I'll take as many pictures as you want, okay? And, you know, that's a man. That's a real man. <laughs> then they have a conversation about this state of their relationship, and Mia tells him, I would really like for you to just move to Charleston. And he says, you know, I got things going with my job. Maybe if I get a promotion that can work out. I don't know. We'll figure it out after our vacation. But I can really see me being with you, girl. She's like, for how long? He's like, forever. Like, you know what? See, this is behavior. I'm in a state of receiving now. Like, I've been, this is a little of my business that I'm telling. Listen, your girl always has somebody on the roster make no mistake okay she's never been alone all right however <laughs> I don't I I for like the past few years have just been very like I don't want to attempt to date I'm just gonna allow certain men to talk to me and I'll just be happy with that and I have been happy with that but now I'm in like I'm in my soft heart era. I'm in my, like, I'm ready to flirt era. And, like, I'm in my, I'm ready to talk to a new man era. <laughs> so 
because of this, I'm like finding myself. Don't fall into these traps, man. Something about a dimple and me. We go together real bad. And that's that's my issue with Craig. That's the real issue is that Craig's got those really cute dimples. And so it really, like, he's on a curve with me. Like, it really takes a lot for me to be like, oh, but he's, I just think he's, like, so cute. And I think this is really a biological thing. Like, it's not something that I can really divest myself from, so I haven't attempted to. But now, like, watching these scenes with me and Troy, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's so cute. I could, I could sleep in that dimple and get the best rest of my life. And he says things like, oh, I want to be with you forever. I'd be like, cameras, get out. Or stay. I don't even give a fuck at this point. Maybe take the mic pack, though. So that that would be difficult for me. And I see where Mia's coming from. So then we head back to Republic Garden and Lounge. Will is out of his arm sling officially, back behind the bar. But he and Joe still are not speaking. Will says an important part of friendship is forgiveness. But the issue with Joe is that Joe keeps doing the same shit over and over. He never stops his behavior to the point where he doesn't even know what to do with Joe Bradley at this point. So Maddie finds Joe to tell him, I received some information and starts crying, right? She's like, and Trevor called that Sammy girl with information. And then she's like, you know, I'm trusting you with this Joe Bradley. Don't tell anybody. So she pulls out her phone. Maddie, they're in the kitchen. The acoustics, horrible. So I'm sure everybody was hearing this. <laughs> pulls out the phone, plays this recording between sammy and trevor and it starts with sammy asking trevor are you filming right now and he says no and then sammy says well i don't know i don't really feel like talking i just like shouldn't have done what i did and i'm sorry and trevor's like well what are you sorry for like setting me up and she says yeah so then trevor asks uh (laughs) i say sally sammy trevor trevor asks sammy do you think that we made out and she's like well I told Brad that I just didn't want to be involved and I don't really feel like talking. Like, I shouldn't have even answered the phone. And then she, click, hangs up. So Maddie tells Joe Bradley, you know, for Brad to have so much hate in his heart for me is just so fucked up. But Joe's looking at her and is like, do you really think that Brad would do this? Like, go through all of his lengths to bring this girl in, set her up and all this Maddie goes full Maya Angelou at this point. When somebody shows you who they are, you should believe it the first time. So Joe says in a confessional, I just can't picture Brad doing something like, ooh, like diabolical and scheming like this in order to blow up Maddie's relationship with Trevor. And then he has a great question of like, he asked Maddie, like, what would she even be getting out of this? Like free training sessions with Brad? Like what, what would be the purpose? So then Joe says, did Sally tell you that she lied? And Maddie goes, yeah, she did. Well, she told Trevor that she lied. Here we go, girl. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Joe says in a confessional, there's something weird about this, okay? Who am I supposed to believe? The biggest cheater and liar in Charles did it in Trevor or Brad. Like, the choice is clear, babe. So then, Emmy finally has her big meeting with Leva and Scary Leah to discuss her position. She wants Maddie's role, right? So Leva sits down and is like, you know, Emmy, you've been doing such a great job. I've been noticing it. You've been putting the work in. I know you've been really wanting Maddie's position. And I just want to let you know that you won't be getting it. <laughs> and then I was really about to scream, and then she tells her, Emmy, you're actually getting the position of AGM, Assistant General Manager, which would actually be above Maddie and Joe, basically being the right hand woman to that terrifying woman. And seeing Leah and Emmy together, I'm like, you guys look too much alike. The energy is too much alike. Emmy, you're giving pick me for Leah, a lady who I've seen on the screen for about 48 seconds and I already wanted no parts of. And the fact that you're trying to, like, kiss this woman's ass, I... And and they look alike. It looks like, not mother and daughter, but, like, aunt, you know? Like, it, like if her, if Emmy's mom had a younger sister, like a 10-year younger sister, this would be, like, aunt, niece. And actually, now that I think about it, this is like Rory and Lorelai's tether. Like, 
Rory didn't really want parts of the inn, but this was like Lorelai's thing. Whereas Emmy really very much wants to be in this whole system and like be a terrifying woman and not even a terrifying woman in a fun way, you know? Like they're scary women. Like who's a who's a really fun, terrifying woman? Hmm, let me think. Oh, like a Kelly Catrone. You know, like that's a terrifying woman that I that I fuck with. Leah seems like no fun. Like no fun whatsoever. And so I can't I can't really abide by that, you know. But like Kelly Catrone seems like, you know, like she would be like maybe a bitch to you all day. And then around five o'clock, she'd be like, girl, let's have a glass of rose. I'm going to tell you about my time in the early 90s in Manhattan. And then, like, you know, she'll teach you all these great life lessons and you become the best friends, you know? I love that. Anyway, um, so yeah, this is like <laughs> so, so funny. So they're going to make the big announcement at Republic's 10 year anniversary party, which is the following night. So they tell her, don't say anything to anybody until then. So we get to that night, big night. They're doing a like circus theme, but like Britney circus, you know, like not not Ringling Brothers. Emmy gets her hair and makeup done for her big debut. All the girls are going to be wearing those like like what Britney wore on the circus tour, you know, and the bartenders are dressed up like mimes, <laughs> which sucks. Emmy decides to be good as gold, like a like a, a bell. Bell yellow dress. Okay. Beauty and the Beast Bell. Um, so she's like so excited. She's got her little updo, got her smoky eye. Like Wills is in a confessional. I'm so happy for Emmy. This is the greatest thing because now I'm gonna be busy, she's gonna be busy, and if we're both busy, there's gonna be no free time for us to be sitting around missing each other. <laughs> so just break up with her, okay? <laughs> don't don't do this to her don't do this it's now she's not gonna miss me and I'm not gonna have to feel bad about that you know I'm not gonna have to stay up when I should be reading up up on torts crying with her on the phone because she'll be busy terrorizing Maddie and Joe Bradley at the front desk or at the DJ booth this is perfect this is perfect so happy for you babe couldn't be happier for you so now everybody's at Republican Garden and Lounge, and do I call it Republican? Close enough. Um, and Emmy keeps ducking and dodging everybody, being like, "Why are you in your uniform, Emmy? Like, what are you, what are you doing? When did you change your clothes?" So Leva goes out, big speech to the crew about how there's going to be introducing a new assistant manager. It's going to be right under Chris, and that person just showed up in her golden dress. Emmy. Maddie and Joe Bradley are standing right next to each other, and Joe's face is like, excuse me, bitch? Like, what? Joe says in a confessional, Emmy covered, like, two shifts when Maddie was away DJing, and suddenly she gets a promotion? Maddie says in a confessional, L-O fucking L. No way Emmy deserves this. She has no idea what a general manager fucking does. I will always be that bitch that runs the bitch. I don't care what your title is. Okay. Well, what is your, what's your title, Maddie? <laughs> the bitch that runs the bitch? I don't think it's official. I don't, I'm not sure if you could put that on your taxes. Maybe you could. I don't know. So then Emmy, like, puts her big girl panties on, her AGM panties on. Brad and Joe Bradley are outside manning the door. And she's like, I, um, Joe, I really need to make sure that you have the right guest list for tonight. And he's like, what do you mean, Emmy? What other list would I have? It's right here. There's no other list. And she's like, well, I just need to make sure that you have the right guest list. And we just need to be really aggressive and like selling bottles and being on top of stuff. And just like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> so he says in a confessional, I'm not going to have the person that I trained tell me how to do my job. Brad's trying to be like nice towards Emmy about this whole situation like she earned it you know you worked hard I think she earned it we all should be able to move up you know if if we put in the effort blah 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 but like on a pet like as a petty person I'm kind of on Joe Bradley's side of this like girl you're not gonna act like suddenly I don't know what a guest list is and, and like first like my uh, suddenly I'm stupid 
I'm like, oh, this is actually the guest list from two weeks ago. Thank you so much, Emmy, for letting me know that. <laughs> like, duh, bitch. Like, don't come in here and just be like... And, and she had her manager voice on. And I don't mean to be misogynistic. You know, I love to see a woman in power. You know I do. But what I don't love is somebody who's like, okay, you've been manager for 13 seconds. Like, literally. Like, go find somebody else to micromanage, girl. Like, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. And I bet she also, like, on on another note, like, she has to know that Joe is probably very good at his job because he also has an upper position at Republic. Not as high as she does at this point. But still, like, you have to figure out a way to be a boss, especially to your friends, quote unquote, (laughs) and not seem like you're taking your job too seriously. And that is a hard balance, but yeah, I I gotta say, I'm kind of on Joe's side. So anyway, (laughs) then Joe maybe takes it a little too far. Not really. We're, we're, we're doing a show. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Joey Bottles. Thank you, Joey. He goes over to Maddie's DJ booth, right? And he's just like talking shit, right? They're just talking shit about Emmy and Joe's really in his feelings like, I'd rather be Joey Bottles and you be the DJ than to for me to be promoted to assistant general manager. Like, he is giving hater at this point. Like, we got to rein it back, but keep going. And then Will, who I guess, like I said, behind the bar dressed like a mime. Bray, the whole thing. <laughs> He's been lip reading what Joe and Maddie have been saying. So Emmy walks over and he's like, oh, um, he just said that I'd rather be DJing than to be an assistant general manager because I wouldn't be an assistant to anybody. And then he tells Emmy that insubordination is a fireable offense. (laughs) So then Will keeps going at a confessional. You know, if this opportunity had come to Joe, I would support him. You know, I'd have his back, but we need to be family. But Joe's being a hot mess. So Emmy tells Will, well, I knew that Maddie would probably be too proud to, like, make a scene and cause a fuss about this. But Joe Bradley's actually really surprising me. And you know what? He's about to find out real quick how much of a boss I am. Okay, girl. We'll we'll see. We'll see. I'm actually really excited about the finale. Okay. Let's move on to the traders. Today, without failure, for us to get one step further, is that one of these has to be banished. I agree. This is the best thing I've ever experienced. (laughs) This is why my knowledge of Survivor helps me because I'm able to show everyone how the numbers look, how they can be dissected, how I figured it out, and I'm hoping that they're able to see exactly what I'm showing them. The leftovers have to prevail and that's what we are the leftovers because we're not part of the most faithful of the faithful all right you guys let's round this up with another banger episode of the traitors <sighs> twists turns and the third t is um stop touching up on my man phaedra it's getting a little too much and i'm getting a little testy that's the fourth t okay chill chill So last we left off, Phaedra and Parvati were left hanging in the balance in the turret to see what was going to happen. Did Peter accept being a traitor? Is he rejecting it? What happened? So they're like waiting and waiting and waiting, putting their hoods back on because somebody's walking in the door. They put them back off and then it's Alan coming, telling them he turned down, Peter turned down being a traitor. Peter says, I'm a faithful to the end and I want to be part of winning this the right way. So there's no way that I could look into Trishel or Bergie's eyes when I gave them my word. So now there's going to be no murder and Parvati is like pissed, right? She's like, ugh, breakfast is not going to be a good look for me. And Phaedra's like, yeah, girl, it's probably going to be your last meal. It's not great. Parvati's not happy but she is like a phoenix i will rise from the ashes just gonna be a pile of ashes and a headband on the ground (laughs) phaedra and bergie show up to breakfast first phaedra's sweating a little bit right thinking that people are sniffing her out but she's doing her usual like really interested in the breakfast doesn't really want to talk about what happened last night that's been her shtick and frankly it's been working But they start to have a conversation, the rest of the people, about how, well, you know, we do 
obviously we got Dan out. We're pretty sure Parvati's the next trader. We have no idea who the third trader might be. But honestly, let's not even worry about that right now. Like, let's just get Parvati out. She's our easy out. And we'll focus on the bigger fish later. Parvati is surprisingly ready for battle, as she puts it, and says that she feels like even though she's not sure if Peter's going to say that he was recruited or not and he turned it down, it's probably going to be a bad idea for him to say that because it's going to end up putting a target on his back. So Peter saunters into breakfast, right? And he says in a confessional that he's going to be going hard on Parvati. He's been doing it lately, and he's not going to be letting up anytime soon. So he whispers over to John from the House of Commons, like, I got something to tell you later. And Parvati's just squinting at him, like, what are you two talking about? And I got to tell you guys, I attempted for a good 45 seconds to make anything near the faces that Parvati makes when she makes them on this show. And I don't know how she does it. Like, I feel like I don't have the muscles in my face that she possesses. I can't do it. Like, it's a squint. I can do that. But it's also like a deep mouth. Like, respectfully, it's like trout mouth, right? It's a squint and a trout mouth. And also something else that I, that's the part that I can't quite get down. And I, my mouth just can't do the deep trout that she goes to. Like, I'm baby trout. And I don't really want to delve into that. I think that's like a Botox hotspot. So like, I don't want to bother. Like, I'm just going to keep it, keep it mild to moderate, like what's happening now. But it's wild. Her face is like, it's incredible. She's really one of the more interesting people to look at that I've ever seen in my life. So finally, everybody streams into breakfast. And I mean, everybody. So they figure out, well, if everybody's here, then that means maybe somebody got recruited as a traitor last night. Who was it, right? So they're all trying to guess who it was. But Peter does not speak up. Poverty squinting away, right? She says in a confessional, if he doesn't speak up, I could use this to my advantage. So really, there's like nothing in Poverty's mind that would have her lose, which is a fascinating way to live your life. It's kind of Larsa-like. Kim Zolciak, Bierman-like in nature. Just, like, power through it, girls. Ask, believe, receive. Alan Cummings strolls in. We don't have a bang this week, unfortunately. And he tells them that as, in terms of why nobody was murdered, uh, I'm not going to tell you. You guys can figure that out on your own. So, bye. So, Parvati's game is just to look over at Peter last night and be, and be like, well... We have a new traitor in the house, it sounds like. Is it you, Peter? <laughs> and he's like, well, I guess we'll see. So then Bergie says, well, maybe somebody got a letter last night and they turned it down and they just don't want to say who it is. So Parvati's like, well, everybody, raise your hand if you got it. Raise your hand if you got the letter. Anybody? Anybody? Somebody's lying. Hmm. Somebody's lying. <laughs> so then Peter and Parvati go off like with each other like oh well I guess you're a traitor you must not be a traitor because you didn't murder me last night Peter and Parvati's like well that's a change of tune because you've been gunning for me this whole time very long time that you've been gunning for me Peter that's so interesting that you don't think I'm a traitor all of a sudden hmm hmm so she says in a confessional today I've got my predatory headband on and I'm coming for that bachelor so Alliance, uh, 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 Peter has a whole alliance of bad bitches, right? It's Trishelle, John, Kevin, and Bergie. Basically, it's like Trishelle has found a boys club that, to glom onto, and that's really what it is. I don't know if really Peter, John, and Kevin, and Bergie are ca considering Trishelle an asset to Peter's pals. Maybe they do. I haven't heard it yet. It's just giving pick-me like Trishelle tends to do. Anyway, Peter tells them, he gets him into a room separately, close the door. Listen, guys, what I'm about to say might be shocking and there might be some doubts, but I really need you to trust me. Trust me that I'm going with you guys. Who do you think that got that recruitment letter last night? And Trishelle and Kevin are like, um... And so Bergie finally has to be like, was it you? <laughs> and so they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then 
He's like, you guys, I got it. I promise you I turned it down. Tonight, we have to banish Parvati. And after that, like, that means there's two traitors out, right? So at this point, (laughs) Phaedra walks into the room and he's like, hey, Phaedra, sorry, can we just have just a second to talk privately? So Phaedra leaves and she's like, "Mm, okay, these Peter's pals are having secret meetings or dismissing people from the rooms. I'm not happy about this. So she goes out. Everybody else is in this like billiards room, right? And tells the rest of the mostly women what's going on. So meanwhile, back at Peter's pals, Trishel's telling the rest of them that Phaedra's the one that they really need to be going for because Parvati's already on an island on her own. Phaedra is the one who can get people on her side. So then MJ tries to do second, second turn. She walks into Peter's pal's room and they're like, hey, MJ, can we have, just have some privacy? And MJ's just standing there like the most awkward person, right? Like imagine middle school dance just waiting for your crush to ask you out. It's, you know, it's like All My Life by Casey and JoJo's playing. And you're just like, well, this was the song that I was hoping for. You built up a whole fantasy about it and you're just waiting for him, right? Just waiting, standing there. You've got her hands in her pockets. <laughs> just like, why? What's going on? why I don't want to be left out you guys and they're like no 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 don't worry about it you're gonna be happy with it but like we need you to leave so MJ like kind of backs up (laughs) kind of like crab walks sideways out the door slowly opens the door slowly walks out (laughs) like okay and then she like darts down the hallway so she runs back to everybody else and it's like I got kicked out too you guys so Sandra tells uh, everybody else. It's like MJ, Sheree, CT, Phaedra, Parvati. Gather around by the pool table, you guys. So she starts assembling these pool balls together to explain. This is them. This over here is us, right? If we get, like, this is how many people. If we can get some of them out, then we have, like, more people on our side. But if we do it this way, then it's kind of even. So we need to make sure that we are picking the right people to get out. Sandra so calls this group the leftovers because... They're not part of, like, the most faithful of the faithful, a.k.a. Peter's pals. So Parvati is like, yeah, and another thing? Why did Peter suddenly change his tune that I'm not a traitor now? Like, don't you guys think that's crazy? Like, (laughs) and the crazy thing is, that works. It's wild to me that people don't see Parvati, like, shaking and gesticulating at all times. Being like, what about Peter? Peter's, like, (laughs) he's, like, being really uncool, you guys, don't you think? And everybody just, like buys it it's so funny to me (laughs) somehow Parvati is able to convince the rest of the leftovers to all get Peter out so now she's like please just punch right she is salt burning her way down down the hallway because she just got away with another murder nobody nobody clocked it at all oh my god so today's challenge this episode's challenge is for them to you got a couple up of course who does CT Look down at lovingly, and they decide to team up. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. So they have these bags, right? The, the, every couple has their bag and um, it has different dollar amounts on it, right? It's supposed to be up to $20,000. You know, $500, $5,000, $10,000, right? They don't, all the bags weigh the same. It's That's not the issue. 
every the couples have to go through the woods, but they have to answer these questions. But it's like, you know, two roads diverge, right? Where you figure out which the answer is and you go that way. And it's like, if it's right, then you're keep going. If it's wrong, then you end up getting booby trapped, basically. And you can still separate like one person can go and try to get the next clue. And if they get caught up, then the next person can still go. And then, depending on how many of those couples are left, you can get a shield. One or two shields of protection that will protect you for the future, right? So, it's a lot. I'm not great at explaining, okay? (laughs) Which begs the question of why I have a podcast, but whatever. (laughs) We're all trying, all right? So, the team also that makes it through the fastest is the one who gets the shield. So, Basically, Peter's gunning for the shield, right? Because he knows that people are hot on his scent. But of course, he's the first one who gets out, right? He ends up running into this, what he thinks is just like a pile of leaves on the ground, but it's like a black tar, Texas tea in the ground, trying to get the clue. Sheree and Bergie are on a team together, and Bergie is starting to lead them in the wrong direction. He also gets black tarred and Sheree just looks at him and goes oh hell no (laughs) running up the hill by herself just like oh hell no I don't want to do this (laughs) very confidently guessing wrong as Sheree is wont to do CT ends up getting snatched up in the air by this gigantic net and then so do MJ Sheree gets caught up um between the twenty thousand dollars that they could have made they only end up making $8,000 between Parvati and John, who are a team, and then Kevin and Sandra. So Kevin and Sandra end up getting shields for making it through the woods in the fastest time. Once everybody gets back to the castle, we find out there's now a, the second group, the leftovers are now called the Queen's Council. They've decided, like I said, Peter needs to be up on the chopping block next. So Peter then decides to take Phaedra and Parvati into this little tiny armory room Asking them, how do you guys feel about all working together? And Phaedra's like, hands up, I'm I'm not in this. I don't want to be involved in any sort of collusion. So she leaves. She dips. It says in a confessional, I know that Peter likes to put out little traps, and I'm not buying it, okay? So then Alan pops up out of nowhere on the stairs, and everybody's like, what's Alan coming doing here again? We usually only see him once a day. We already had our time with him. What's he doing, girl? So he tells him, put on your boots. You got 10 minutes to meet me outside. I got something else for you. So everybody goes outside. It's dark. Half of them are wearing trench coats for whatever reason. Did they pack them themselves? Is this a wardrobe situation? I don't know. Don't need to ask questions. Alan Cumming tells them, no roundtable tonight, guys. Okay? There's going to be a new little twist in which... y'all kind of get to decide who doesn't get murdered tonight and who gets left on the chopping block to potentially get murdered. So there are going to be five people left who are up for a murderation by the end of this game. So because Kevin and Sandra got the shield earlier from the challenge, they collectively get to pick one person who gets protected. That person gets to pick the next person and that person gets the next person until there are five people who are able to be murdered for that night left. Once again, failing upward, Sheree Whitfield, who gets chosen by Kevin and Sandra. She gets the first pick. So then she gets to pick somebody and she no hesitation chooses Phaedra. Phaedra starts crying, you guys. So Alan asks Sheree, why did you pick Phaedra? And she's like, you know, I just feel like people shouldn't be targeting other people because of the show that they're on. And I really believe that Phaedra's a faithful. And then Phaedra really gets to crying, right? (laughs) Oh my God. CT and Kate are patting her on the back, like woo woo woo, comforting her. So then Phaedra says in a confessional, I'm just not sure these people know that my friendship and relationship with Sheree goes back well over 20 years. We have a history that none of these people are going to understand. So this is like a full circle moment for us. Ma'am, what are you talking about? You're a traitor, bitch. Like (laughs) a full circle moment where she chooses to trust you 
despite the fact that you're eventually going to stab her in the back. You're going to have to do it. That's hilarious. And you're making this like a girl power moment. I, this is why the show is incredible. It really is. I truly love that you're making this an emotional thing as, as sisters and as girlfriends. Okay. <laughs> so Trishelle is trying her damnedest. Every time somebody goes up to choose who they're saving, I, please, I'm begging you. Like, please pick me. Please pick me. I, like, I know. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, whatever. She's, she's like acting like somebody, like the firing squad is truly about to and on her. Like, please pick me. I'm, I'm begging you. So then, obviously, you know, Phaedra picks her man CT. So that's like a whole thing. Parvati, this whole time is like, while Phaedra's choosing, she's like, confident it's gonna be her sure got it in the bag ct gets it she's like huh well that's certainly weird hmm okay i know i've been making a lot of jokes about how kevin and sheree might not really understand the game but now i think it might be parvati like she comes in very confident that things are going to work in her favor and, you know, Peter simply being like, I think you're a traitor. She's like, well, I don't like the sound of that, sir. That's very off-putting. Very off-putting. Do people hear that? Do you guys hear that? Uh, Peter. Peter thinks I'm a traitor, you guys. Uh, can you believe this? Can you believe? On the show, The Traitors, he is accusing me of being a traitor. The exact point of the game. Can you believe this? <laughs> you are wild, Peter. Wild wild okay off-putting so now it's time for ct to go and trishelle's really now like ct please like we have this whole history together on mtv like i'm begging you please 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 pick me and he's like uh-huh i'm gonna go with john <laughs> and now trishelle goes from like upset to pissed okay she's really upset when it's all over, they're going back in the castle, and she's, like, pouting, and, like, I'm just going to have my wine, okay? Like, like make it very clear that she's really upset with CT. So, to the point where they're like, CT, you guys, you have to have, like, a conversation with this girl, right? MJ also walks in the house, like, <laughs> not cool, guys. Like, it felt like I'm not getting picked. Watching one person after the other get chosen over me, and I'm ultimately not picked, like, that did not feel good. I didn't like it. So Trishelle and CT have a one-on-one -on -one conversation where she starts crying. You know, if somebody had lit my fire, I would have chosen you. Why did you do that? Is John smarter than me? And CT's like, well, well yeah, I think what he's done for a living is definitely be an asset. So <laughs> she just stares at him. Like, the scene just ends at that point. Because <laughs> what are you going to say, babe? What are you going to say? So the episode ends, of course. Phaedra and Parvati, our traitors, are in the turret. And Phaedra tells Parvati, girl, you gotta be a little bit nicer because you're given Ice Queen, you're squinting around the castle, like, you're giving off a, a vibe here, right? You need to work on being a little bit more lovable. Soften your heart. And Parvati's just, like, giving it back, being very passive-aggressive. Oh, I, I do. I should soften my heart. Oh, Okay. Okay, Phaedra. <laughs> the Barbity says in a confessional, I might need to keep an eye on Phaedra. So obviously, Parvati really wanted to kill Peter, but he's saved. So the only options they have are like Bergy, MJ, Trishel, Kate. Kate's not a great option. She just got in the game. So Parvati's like, well, we need to choose between MJ or Trishel. So that's where we leave off and we don't find out can't wait once again oh you guys i'll see you guys on wednesday to talk vanderpump rules thank you guys so much for listening thank me for speaking love you bye